centuries later, he called it the uh, Philosophia Arura, right? The, the cursed philosophy. The, the Gaon of Vilna that the Rambam was involved with. The, the, the Gra was you know, very displeased with anything like that. Now, it was not uncommon for people who came from Spain, which is where the Rambam came from, to be learning philosophy. That was part of their culture. And a little later on, uh, in the time of the Rashba and the, and the Rush, there was a big discussion between those two very great men, the Rashba and the Rush, as to whether or not it was okay to learn philosophy. The Rashba was one of the Spanish, Gedoli Hador, one of the Rishonim. He said it was. The Rush was from Germany. He said it's not. Right, two very different points of view. The Rush ended up leaving Germany because his life was in danger, and he moved to Spain. And the Rashba was very, very respectful of the Rush because they were both such great people. And they had this Machlokas, and they came to an agreement. They reached an agreement as to could you learn philosophy or not? And if I remember correctly, the, the agreement they came to was kind of a pshara that if once you reached age 25, it was allowed, but not before that. So they, this was a major uh, machlokas in their time. And there was upheaval, but the Rashba and the Rush came together and wrote a um, mutual agreement with guidelines as to how to learn philosophy. So this, um, you know, this machlok has remained through the, through the ages. Yeah, please, go then. Please. Right, right, people who are, do not value Torah properly and this Tamida is So, uh, are we So, I don't know the exact percentages, <laughs> but it's a high number in, yeah. in Israel who are, you know, very secular. Yeah. And, however, the chiluk I would make is this, that in terms of the thought itself and the ideas themselves, yes, it would be very disparaging to Torah v'lomdeha. At the same time, most of those people are tinok shenishba. Right, they're people who are considered, they, they never were exposed, even though they're living in Israel and raised in Israel, they never were exposed to Torah as it is. That's like a child taken captive as a baby and never growing up with anything Jewish. So even though in the Israeli public schools, right, they're learning about Purim and Pesach, and the Jewish holidays, because that's what they learn in their public schools. Unlike here in our public schools, they don't learn that. Right? But it's, they're not learning Torah. It's Jewish tradition, it's Jewish history, it's Jewish culture. In my opinion, that's still Latino Shanishba. Right? The fact that a person who is a secular Jew knows that there's such a concept as Shabbat or Pesach, that does not make them not Latino Shanishba. They've never been exposed to true Jewish life. So yes, the, the thought, the ideas, the anti-nature of it would be apikorosis. Are the people apikorosim? They don't know enough about Judaism to be apikorosim. So the Chazonish writes that we don't have apikorosim in our time anymore because we don't have enough kedusha and enough hashra'as hashchina that a person can say, I'm against that. You have to have a certain amount of Torah knowledge that 
imbues the world and the hashras hashchina, and you have that, and a person says, "I'm against that," that's an apikaris. We don't have that anymore. It's it's so diluted, and we're in gullus for so long. Plus the fact that we have many people who simply have no idea even what it means to be a Jew. If they're fortunate enough to know they're Jewish, which a lot of our people aren't even that, they certainly don't know what it means to be a Jew. So, yes, it's really sad that we still have to contend with this. Uh, the saving grace is that we could say they don't really know any better. And I think for most of them that's true. Yes, I would not say that they're not true at the Chorusim. They're not really taking that position out of the place of knowledge. They're taking it out of the place of ignorance. That's not a true apikaris. Yeah. yeah, please, go. What about someone who's, you know, say Right, so at what point, right, at what point do you say a person is an apikaris, someone who was exposed to Torah, let's say he went to Yeshiva or Beis Yaakov, and then they went off the derech. So can you call that person a tinog shenishba? Right, that's a subject of discussion. Some would say, no, they're not a tinog shenishba. They spent years learning Torah. They lived in a Jewish home, in a from home, and so that's, you know, that's an apikaris. I don't know that I would agree with that, personally. Bismanenu? I just don't agree with that. There are other things that are going on in people's lives that have to do with stress and conflict and inconsistencies and all kinds of things that they see and other horrible things that happen that unfortunately contribute to people going, people going off the derech. I, I can't see that. In my mind, people certainly would agree with me, people would argue with me. I cannot really see that as a person who's a true apikaris. There are too many other factors that contribute to people going off the derech than just straight out apikaris. Like they, like they, they, they read Aristotle and all of a sudden they believed, oh, the, the Greeks are right, not the Jews, right? I mean, we don't have that anymore. Some, something happened. Yeah. It's not about that. Something happened in their life. They got hurt. They got rejected. You know, they slipped through the cracks. They're hurt. They were abused. Like, things happen to people. For the most part, that's what's going on with people who are going off the derech. There's something that happened in their life. So uh, to me, are they Tinoch Shanishba? I don't know. Are they an Atikoros? Definitely not. Not in my mind. Yeah, please, Mrs. Fran. At what point did real Atikoros When did it stop, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when that time was. You know, the Chazanish is already very current. That's our lifetime. And he says there are no more... You can't call somebody a true Atikoros anymore. Chazanish died in around 1960, right? So how far back are we going? It, it seems like when the Maskeling were around in, in Europe in the 17-1800s, that the great people of those times were calling them apikorsim. But you have to remember that the Maskeling in general had extensive backgrounds in Torah. These were not just people who were unexposed. The Maskeling knew a lot. And that's why they were such a formidable force. And why the Malbim and Hashem from Rafael Hirsch and other great people marshaled many efforts to write uh, in opposition to them. They were not lightweights. These were people who were very learned. So that, that's probably an Atikaris. So are we talking about 200 years? Something like that? 100 years? Something like that. I remember hearing about um, Rosh Hashiva, Rabbulim, and Zazal, yeah. who went to Yeshiva with very brilliant people who 
went up in Slobodka, right? Yeah. Back in Europe, and they went off. They read. I don't know if it was Marx they were reading or more than that style Right. But more the contemporary. It could be. It could be that certainly not a Tinochinishba, right? And Apicorus, seemingly, and I'm very hesitant because I don't I didn't live, you know, in those years and what they went through, I don't know, but that was much more of an intellectual rejection uh, of Torah that they were um, going through. Right, we don't have intellectuals, so we don't have that kind of... We don't, we don't. No, we have different things that send people off. So, uh, you know, socialism, communism, you know, all, what they say, all the isms, right, that they, that they, that they had uh, in those times that brought people away. People were interested in those things. They were intellectually motivated. They were reading, they were involved. They saw the misery of Eastern European Jewish life and the poverty, and they wanted out. And these ways offered a way out. Obviously, as history shows, they didn't offer a way out at all, and they were all filled with their own uh, levels of corruption, communism, socialism. But it took many years for that to play itself out. But in those years, people really believed there's some kind of liberation in these philosophies that will better the lives of Jews and Jewish people. That was what Maskelim uh, were, were preaching. Yeah, please, Linda. And yet, in light of that, he taught us when he was teaching us the wrong call, um, and I'll also I remember hearing it on a tape from another friend, that um, every Jew has a thing with him. Yes. Yes. So, so, So this is a subject of discussion, right? I think I've mentioned before, the pre-Tzadik, Ratzadik HaKohen, he holds that the definitive statement is Kol Yisrael, Yeshlam, Chela, Lelam Every Jew has a portion in the world to come. That is the statement. Everything else just has to be understood properly. The Ramchal says that there are a few people that can lose their Chela in Lelam There's such a thing. It's rare, but it could happen. He says that. The Mishnah here lists categories of people. So the question is, you know, does one truly fit this category? Do they not fit this category? So I can't make that decision, but those are some of the opinions out there. I'm more of the kol yisrael mind. That's pretty much where I'm come out on this. Yes, Ilana, please. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and it could be also, Ilana, that when he says apikorsim is a person who's mavaza the Torah em lomdeha, that's one category. Then meaning, which he says a little later on the top of our page, that's the second category. That's people who actually intellectually involve themselves in, con- in contradicting the Torah. This is people who are mavaza Torah, mavaza tamidachacham, it's not an intellectual point of view. The Torah is useless, Tamir Chachamim are useless. That's one category. The other are people who write books, you know, of Minus, of, of, um, of I'm going to call Apikorsis, of Minus in order to reject the Torah, and they write about it, you know, extensively. 
I think that's the difference between these two categories. Yeah, yeah, it has a very general sense. I don't know. I mean, that's how the Ramam understands it, Mavazat Torah Belomdeha. That is a very broad category. Who fits into it or not, I don't think I could, I could honestly say a good, sound um, qualification for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, please. Destroying them, uprooting them, shattering them. Well, yeah, but the, um, <laughs> to knowingly do an avera, or to, um, I forgot the wording of it. But what, accidentally, I mean? No, not accidentally. In, in, the, in the word of the bracha itself? Yeah. Um, that I feel like. I can't count to it as. Okay. Okay. Because they deem are, you know, intentional. Sinners, which is the word that it says there. Okay. Well, Does that mean like someone who's consistently? Because I feel like it's not that uncommon that we have a moment of saying like... Oh, no, that's not what that talks about. Zadim are people who are intentionally, consistently uh, violating the Torah. Okay. That's like the word mazi. But it doesn't mean one, one, only one um, isolated action. I mean, this is their point of view. Yeah, please. I'm stuck on this. Yeah. Um, someone from Slavato yeah. becomes the head of a conservative movement. Uh-huh. Lachora <laughs> would be an Atikaris. Or, I mean, Lachora, yeah. If you had those years in Slobodka, you know, and your Rosh Hashiva was altar of Slobodka, and you had that exposure, and then you went, you know, off, which, as Mrs. Fran said, many people did from those times, and became the head of a different branch of Judaism, Lachora, that would be an Atikaris. Lachora. Okay. Uh, top line there on page Kuflamid Hay. Vechain, Sefer Ben Sira. Likewise, the book of Ben Sira. Vehu Hoyoish Shechiber Sephorim. The Rambam says he was a person and he wrote books. Yeshbohem Hatulim. There are many things there that are just frivolous, silly. Meinyane Hakaras Panim such as reading people's faces and recognizing who they are by looking at their face. The Rambam says, that's silly. And these books have no true purpose and no true goal. There's not, no, nothing beneficial. Uh, I could say, using one of our words, the Rambam says, these are lightweights. <laughs> People writing fluffy stuff in his time that had no real meaning. Eloibud Hazman Bahevel. All they do is waste a person's time with Hevel, with futile pursuits. So he didn't uh, hold these books in high regard. We have a lot of books around like that in our time. Kagon. Ela Hasaforim Hanim Soim Arav Misipure Divre Hayamim. Like, for example, many books which, we, which the Arabs have. Now, I don't know if he's referring to a particular person because he says Ho'arav. Or if he's talking about groups of people, there's no name mentioned here, having to do with their history, like the history of these people, the hanhogas hamalachim, and the conduct of their kings, of their 
royalty. So these are Umosa Olam, living in the times of the Rabban, they're writing their history, they're writing royal etiquette and uh, royal manners and how they conduct themselves. The Yehuseho Arviim and the various relationships between different, it uh, sounds like Arab peoples, I don't know what he's referring to here specifically. The Sifre Hanigun and then books of music. I'm going to explain that in a minute. And similarly, books, There's no wisdom in these books, and there's nothing helpful for one's physical body. All they do is waste people's time. So, what is the Ramah talking about? He talks about music. So, one of the footnotes on the bottom says the Ramah is talking about something that was very prevalent in his time and our time, which are love songs. It's not ta- love songs, romantic songs that was going on in the outside world in his time. So he's not talking about, you know, refined music. He's talking about self-indulgent or sensual lewd lyrics in songs that the Ram is saying, you know, stay away from that. Or if they're not lewd, they'd just be a waste of time. That's how one of the footnotes on the bottom uh, describes it, that it... Uh, these are, these are songs that have either something improper in them, or uh, at, at best, they're just kind of silly. Um, there's even a song like that written by Paul McCartney called Just a Silly Love Song, right? <laughs> Too bad that I know what that song is, right? <laughs> now also, um, the Rambam says elsewhere, and, and we saw this, that a person who falls into depression or sadness should listen to music. That's one of the H's that he gives. Listen to music and look at beautiful pictures and uh, go about amongst gardens and nature and help yourself feel better. So it's clearly stated that Rambam is not against music. He even suggests it for people who need to feel better about themselves or looking to have a little, little lift in life and a lot of music is very uplifting. So that's one of the compelling statements in the Rambam himself, which leads some of the commentaries or notes on the Rambam. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about romantic, more self-indulgent lyrics in songs that he feels are not okay or a waste of time. Now then the next category is v'halochesh al hamaka, a person who has no chelik in olam haba, one who whispers a certain incantation over somebody who's been wounded. Uvilvad birakika, and specifically when they spit. Now what's happening here is that they're using God's name in their incantation, and then they're spitting. That was part of whatever this thing was. So that's, that person has no chilek in Olam Haba. Because this is extremely disrespectful for the Shem Hashem. So they're using God's name in this incantation as some kind of a refuah, and then they spit. That's the bizayun of Shem Hashem. Then the other thing the Mishnah says is, Vahahoge es Hashem ba'usiyosav yud ke vav ke. A person who says Hashem's name explicitly, the Shem yud ke vav ke, shahu Hashem hamuforosh which is God's explicit name, if a person who says that explicitly, So that's what the Mishnah says there in Sanhedrin after it says every Jew has a chilek in the world to come, but these don't. 
Now the Rambam adds, we'll finish up with this section here, There are other statements by the Chachamim about people who don't have the Chelek in Olam Haba. So what are they? For example, Amru, they said, A person who embarrasses somebody else in public, they don't have a portion in the world to come. That's in Baba Mitziah. It's a Gemara. Or, If you call your friend, your fellow human being, a nickname that they don't like, you have no chilek in Olam Haba. Well, pretty serious that, right? So you're referring to somebody in name, and you know they don't like that name, that's a very serious infraction. This is brought down in many Sifre Musr as well, more elaborately. A person who feels honor at another person's downfall. They fell, now I look better. They stumbled, they hit hard times, that makes me look really good. So Hamiskabid, one who takes self-honor in the colon, in the disgrace of other people, in lo chelek la'olam haba. Now the Rambam concludes this part and he says, these last few things which we mentioned, embarrassing somebody or calling them a nickname that they don't like or um, making one great through other people's disgrace. Even though one would think these are less serious transgressions. This is not murder. This is not eating treif or violating Shabbos. So you might think, well, why are these ein lo chelek la'olam haba? Okay, the person said, somebody fell, now I feel greater. It's not, it's not menschlichkeit, it's a bad thing, it's a bad mita, but ein lo chelek la'olam haba? Or I call them a name he doesn't like. Okay, that's really not nice. I need to ask Mechila, but ein lo chelek la'olam haba? Ramam is saying, well, why is that? He says, because a person would not do this but rather a person of extremely low character. And they have no shlemus within their human character. And they're simply not worthy of olam haba. So it's somehow a reflection of something very base and low in that person that they have not taken care of, that they would do such things or treat other people so poorly, embarrassing them, or things like that. Now the Ramam concludes here, what we have to mention here, and this is the best place to mention it, that the essential foundations of our religion are 13, and here the Rambam is going to list the Shlosha Esrei Ikrim of the Rambam. That we have in a very condensed form at the end of Shachris in our Sidurim, some people say them every day. This is the real source, what we're about to learn the next couple of weeks. Much more elaborate than what's in the Siddur, which is a very concise version of them. The 13 Ikrim that the Rambam writes now, this is the real source for it, and he's going to explain them much more thoroughly than what we have written in our Siddur. Now, someone asked regarding the, the semester. So officially it ends next week. There's one more class. But I'm going to add one more because I missed one when I was away. 
So we have two more weeks, Bezras Hashem, of Shir, and I'm hoping that we can cover most of the Yud Gimel Ikrim over the next two weeks. Maybe even all, but certainly most. Have a good Shabbos and a good Yom Tov. We should all be Zohazayin to an Emesa Kabbalah Satorah. Belayed Shalim. Thanks, Jeff.